As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Play action. End zone. There it is! Unbelievable! The two-point try is good, and it's Taylor Decker. Part of the old guard that was saluted after the win last week. And the Lions are up by one. What a moment for this franchise. And what a moment for the eighth-year pro Taylor Decker. This crowd is absolutely stunned. Now a flag comes in at the end. And they've thrown another. The question is, did Skipper... An offensive lineman report. What else could it be? How about them Cowboys indeed? All right. Well, it's a weird and winding road. Um, Really, that whole game is a weird winding road, just like most Cowboys seasons. That's where we find ourselves here. Recording this full disclaimer Tuesday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. So if you have any news that you hear, you know, Tuesday night or anything, just know we were recording this Tuesday afternoon, uh, January 2nd. Cowboys Commanders coming up Sunday. Win and you win the division thanks to a lot of things. It's almost like the curse has been lifted here, John. What a night Saturday at AT AT&T Stadium. So many emotions other things that don't even involve the game, that involve the organization. And sure enough, you lift the curse, and then you get a call to kind of go in your favor at the end of the game as there's confusion. No one knows who reported. Was it Dan Skipper? Was it Taylor Decker? Sure feels like Taylor Decker. A lot going on there, man. Um, what was that night like at the stadium, though? Was there a buzz before the game, like Saturday night game? What was What was that like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, night game, two of the best teams in the NFC, uh, only game that's on. Uh, And then obviously Jimmy Johnson going in the ring of honor at halftime, something that I would think most Cowboys fans have been looking forward to for decades now. And then to have all those former Cowboys back. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the best settings you can get. And then obviously the game ends up being good, comes down to, you know, the final minute. 
And uh, yeah, we can get into all of that, but um, yeah, I think the curse, maybe it is lifted. And then the very following day, the Eagles will lose. It makes you really think that maybe there's something to that. Um, you know, beating the Lions doesn't surprise me, but even after that, before that game, after the game, whatever, if you would have told me that, that they had a realistic chance to be the two seed in the playoffs, I I wouldn't have believed you. So things have things have changed greatly in the last uh, last few days for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I think I think for me, I was um, you know I even mentioned this on the radio. Like I was, I really did think the Cowboys were going to end up as the two seed, and it wasn't so much because of the Cowboys, but like I've been so out on the Eagles for like weeks now. Uh, I really do think they're a fraudulent team. I don't really, I don't really believe like I like. It was after the Giants game when you saw the when you saw the Giants play the Eagles the way that they did in Philadelphia. Um, I didn't necessarily think the Eagles were going to beat the Cardinals, but I definitely would have picked the Giants to beat the Eagles in New Jersey in the season finale. So I thought the Cowboys were probably going to take the division at the in the last week of the season um, by virtue of the Eagles losing. But um, you know the game itself was you know I thought it was. It, it was a lot in a lot of ways. It was kind of similar to the Dolphins game. CD had, you know, bit when he was involved, he was big time. He was he was performing huge. Um, the defense was really, really strong basically the whole night, except for the last drive. Um, all those things were pretty similar to the Dolphins game. Um, and then obviously everything came down to that end, um, which I'm sure we'll get into it. But I, I just want to say, like, this this notion that like you know we talked about this before with like how much we discuss officiating and and where the blame goes and all those kind of things um you know if the hendershot tripping penalty is called correctly does you know do the cowboys throw it on second and 14 and all those other kind of things come into play but the one thing that i will say about the final sequence about the two point conversion is that this notion that the Cowboys got bailed out by the referees is is very incorrect because if it, it, the bottom line is the referees screwed up, but if they call the right guy eligible at 68, the Cowboys probably defend that guy and he probably doesn't catch that. So it's not as like black and white as saying, well, you know, the call brought it back and that's why the Lions didn't score. Like, no, the Cowboys defend that entire play differently if you know, the referees call the right guy eligible. So um, that was just my, uh, like, you know, the the very basic level thing at the end of that game where it's not as black and white as some people make it out to seem. And, and the crew leaves leaves the opening for conspiracy theories when it takes them so long to throw the flag. You know, it's one thing that guy's an ineligible receiver. You throw the flag right away. Nobody se- Everybody was, like, done celebrating it took so long before you finally oh, realized, like, when you realized there was a flag being thrown... I, I find it hard to believe that anybody thought it was more than something that was after the touchdown, like a celebration or some taunting or something like that. That's where that's where it, it, it leaves the opening to conspiracy theories. Because you throw that flag right away and you say 68 was an ineligible receiver, it kind of ends all of that talk. But when it takes forever and then you see that crew huddling up and then obviously with the power of the internet and social media, you find out that this is a crew that is messed up a lot of stuff and uh um obviously that tripping call it's one of the worst calls i've ever seen and uh and and that doesn't help things either i guess my thing that i keep saying about this because um you know i think i have a little bit different perspective on this game than you guys do just because i mean i grew up in detroit i had a bunch of friends down here for the game that are lions fans so i can see this from both both sides of it 
But I laugh at the, anybody that thinks that the refs are for the Dallas Cowboys just because, like, I, I always say this. Like, these games are so tight. You could you could orchestrate something by the simplest of calls to put this team in a Super Bowl one year. And that hasn't happened since 1995. You think they're going to do this from some rando game at the end of the year against the Detroit Lions to, and, and to pull it out on, like, a two-point conversion at the end of the game? I mean, the other thing about that, it, it's magnified, is the fact that Dan Campbell continued to go for it two more times. If he just, yeah. when they get moved back to the seven, he kicks the extra point, they go to overtime. Yes, we would still be talking about it. Yes, there would be a pool report from the official, but it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But he wanted to keep going for it. I mean, heck, they might have got moved back to the 15 and he might kept going. I mean, there's just a little bit of coaching wasn't great. Time clock management wasn't great from the Cowboys. But like, there was a lot of that stuff that's been all kind of pushed to the side. And it's like, let's focus on the refs, you know? So, yeah, yes, no, it, the ref crew is not great, don't get me wrong. But there were some coaching decisions late in that game, too, that, you know, that is their job professionally. That's what they do all year round is, is, as head coaches that you, you can question there as well. No, there's no doubt about it. And this is, it's very, like, when you can look at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different things and go, well, if that goes the other way, then we're not talking about this. That's how you know. It is so tight. So, you know, as we say all the time here, the refs are not against or for the Cowboys. Um uh, and until someone gets a, you know, a, a Donahue type thing, um, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone to ever prove anything either. So it's really not worth talking about too much, but that's a huge thing that happened there at the end. Brad Allen's crew has been, sus- uh, not suspended, but, uh, will be, uh, basically not allowed to, um, have a, uh, to officiate a playoff game this year. Although, uh, I think they've got a, uh, I think they got the Steelers and Ravens on Saturday. So national TV again for Brad Allen and uh, his crew. You know, let's go back to that Cowboys drive because uh, drive. Maybe the biggest flag in that game is the the phantom tripping penalty that puts the Cowboys in a first and twenty five. And Cowboys are in that position at seventeen thirteen, where you kind of need the points. Running the clock, if you could do both of those things, get points and run the clock, that's nice. Optimum is you get a first down and the Lions don't get the ball back. And I felt like they just went with the decision to, hey, we're going to throw it. First down, the slant route to, to CeeDee Lamb, 11 yards. Lions take their second timeout, so it's second and 14. You're now in field goal range. And I think the the play everyone's talking about is the second down play, of course, where Dak really throws it to no one in the end zone. Uh, throws it out of the end zone, kind of gets rid of the ball, and here we go. Uh, clock stops, Lions have to take a timeout to create a you know, check down situation on third down. Did Dak take? Um, did he take uh, blame for that in the post game? Yeah, yeah, he did. Like that, probably should have taken a, a easier throw, something that you know, uh, a more higher percentage of a completion for sure. But that doesn't mean that. Uh, yeah, he can. You know, McCarthy will take blame for it. It is. It is what it is. Whoever wants to take blame, they can take blame. But it just it shouldn't even be in that situation. You should just run the ball. And force them to take the timeout, run clock. You know that's what it's that's what it's all about in that situation. So yeah, um, not great. Um, and if they lose that game, we're talking about that a lot more. Yeah, and it's the same thing as like it was earlier in the season with that fade route. I forgot which game that was. That the Seattle game um, when they throw that fade route on on third down, yeah. and, and then Geno Smith yeah. gets that drive at the end. I mean, it's the same thing where you know, yeah, you can say Dak shouldn't throw it, but like also. 
John's right. Like that should it should it's not that Dak shouldn't throw it. It shouldn't even be on the table. Like even if you're even if you're throwing the ball, like you should have just a litany of checkdown options and screens and whatever else that you need to do to make sure there's a high percentage, uh, high percentage plan. And and to me, like it's fascinating to me how players and coaches don't have this like bottom line like hardcore directive that no matter what happens the clock has to start has to keep running and I, if you watch the um if you watch the college football playoff game last night um you know with Michael Penix and you know for me it's like it was the same thing even watching like that kind of play where I'm like dude just take the sack like why are you why are yeah. you going to throw throw the ball out like you should know that no matter what happens here if there's nobody open you're taking the sack now Dak couldn't have done that because that would have taken them out of field goal range. So it's not a, my point is like, you should know that the bottom line goal is no matter what happens, clock needs to keep running. Yeah. Cowboys are in that situation where they needed, you know, the points. So you're trying to get a little bit closer and make it a little easier. But you know, I, I, like it's funny, the college game, it drives me nuts when teams don't just take a knee 100%. in times of running in the clock, because you're eliminating the fumble and you're eliminating the holding penalty that could stop the clock. And, and then as we saw last night, the injury. You're eliminating an injury. That's the other part of it. Yeah, that um, one. That's the, wild. That the way that whole situation went on. But yeah, go on, sir. No, that no, that's crazy. And like, but all that, you know, I've always said this. Uh, me and my uh, my buddy Jeff Cavanaugh talk about this a lot, and, and his take is like, hey, uh, all NFL head coaches are bad at managing the clock, and I'm pretty hard on McCarthy, and ultimately that is on McCarthy. The difference in the Lions getting the ball back with 141 and getting the ball back with 101 is simply you running your running play or calling your run. Why, why do you why do you think that is then? They're all very well paid. They're just distractible players. I don't know that I agree that all of them are bad. Uh, I don't think that there's any one. I don't. I wouldn't agree that either. I also don't agree that all officials are bad. But I will say this about the coach clock management. Is there one that anybody talks about? It's like, yeah, so-and-so. I mean, that guy never messes up in any clock management situations. No. That used to be a, a an Andy Reid thing until he won Super Bowls, you know? You know where I'm coming uh, from on this? The whole, like, so everybody else is smarter than the people that are actually doing, like, just a little bit of reality there makes it seem like, mm, you you really think that, you know, you'd do a better job doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be a reason for it, you know? Because for the officiating... For for the officiating, I mean, to me, there's no question that it's the replay. Is that we get to see 25 yeah. replay angles right after it happens, and you're on the field, so the second guessing is just wide open. And then maybe with the clock management stuff too, it's one of those things where just we know so much more, and there's so many more people out there criti- critical of it and things like that. But I mean, I I just find it hard to believe that all of a sudden like people have gotten bad at that part of their job. I bet you it's just always been probably not great. It just it's magnified a lot more now with social media and again like how many replays, talking sh- talk shows, all that stuff. Is there any excuse also, for bad clock management? I'm sorry, Sad. Is there any excuse for bad clock management? No, there's not. Like no, there's you- not. But 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 I will say I think I think we also underestimate just how much is going on in those like right. in those moments. Like I, like Mike McCarthy's also not making that call. <laughs> sorry. Mike McCarthy's not making that call in like some isolated decision. Like he has guys up in the press box. He has guys all over that are kind of making all these like small calculations of like how this, you know, this play clock is lining up with the game clock and, and all these different little things. 
And I think there's just a lot going on in those moments. I'm not excusing McCarthy for that. As I said, I don't think that play call was right on second down. I'm just saying I I don't think it's as simple as we looking at it thinking like we're playing a Madden game. Um, There's a lot of other things going on, you know, especially when you're a head coach that's a play caller too because now you're deciding like am I going for it or not or or like on second down what am I going to do here? And then you actually have to do it too. Like you're not just saying yeah, like yeah. you're going to do it. So I think I think that is one thing where we may underestimate just how much is going on in those moments. Well, I, I think um, – and I'm going uh, as the guy who has watched McCarthy since his Green Bay days, pretty much every game he's ever coached. It ain't ever going to be easy or look easy, <laughs> okay? Um, well, I could just tell you this. I mean from when you're at a game, for example, like when we're covering a game. Uh, me personally, I think it's way easier to cover a game from home because you don't have any distractions around you. Yeah. You don't have people up in the press box talking, yelling stuff. You don't have the 42 different, like, yeah. there's just a lot going on up there. Then on the field, you know, if, if they're working on the far end of the field, you got to get your binoculars. You're trying to, you're trying to listen to like the TV copy, but the TV copy is a good 15, 20, 30 seconds behind. So that's kind of distracting you too, because they're not talking any even close to the play that you're watching right there. Whereas when I'm sitting at home, it's just like, you know. Oh yeah, well the commentators are talking about this. They got the fourteen different replays. I'm just sitting here watching it. You know, like there's just there's a lot more calm. You know, I mean, obviously if you're watching it at yeah. a bar or something, it's different. But I'm saying if it's just you by yourself at home, it's so much easier to sit there and be like, no, you do this in this situation. No, you don't do this in this situation. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I it bet like, you being really at the stadium, you know all the answers to uh, millionaire questions at home or Jeopardy. But and you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it when everything's going crazy. You can just sit right. in the comfort of your home and just be like, yeah, no, this is what you do in this situation. Like it just. I bet you the heart rate level, the different things like that, it makes it causes sure. you. Now, I will say, with all of that being said, for being a head coach in the NFL and, and coaching in as many big games as Mike McCarthy has, it's it's not really excusable. No, I mean, like, and so it's not a classic uh, KT's dumping on McCarthy situation. I get frustrated <laughs> right. when I get frustrated when the broadcasters, play by play and color, are just late. To yeah. talk about the clocks, it's like no, map it out for the audience ahead of time, right here. If you run the ball, then they've got a minute left. If you don't run the ball, uh, ball and it's an incomplete pass, it's a minute forty, and it was just like never, you know, laid out. You're watching that, you know it. Um, and who knows? Maybe they go score. Well, they go when it took them as long as it did to score. You know, twenty three seconds left on the clock. You feel like you might have had the game. In the way, I think uh, Dan Campbell's decision. I mean, it doesn't get as more, and I think a lot of people love Dan Campbell in this league, um, but it doesn't get more of a meatball Captain Caveman move than I told him we were going to win. I mean, if Mike McCarthy did that, we would be destroying him. You know, I, I said we were going to win. Katie, well, you'd dude, be able to relate to this. You can run through a wall all you want for your guy, but the truth is you're on the seven. Now, the Michael Parsons offsides nearly bailed him out, but you're on the seven, and the thing that was jumping out to me and maybe Dan Campbell didn't have this information relayed to him. We obviously didn't know that he wouldn't play. But I was sitting there going, man, Tyler Smith's out of the game. Our defense has been playing pretty good. I'm happy with a tie game. Even if the Cowboys do win the toss, they might be without their left guard. Like, let's go beat them there. And That was my Dan biggest Campbell's- issue with the game is that knowing this Lions team, if they did that last year, last year was kind of a... Hey, we're we're getting it on the right track. We're 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 not going to be making the playoffs. We're not going to be beating anybody. Like really, that's different. This year's Lions team, you can beat this Cowboys team straight up. 
We yeah. might see it in a couple of weeks at AT&T Stadium, a replay of this. But I'm just like, there's no reason to try and do that type of like what I associate with basically like, uh, you know, some underdog that's like a 20 point underdog playing like Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And they're like, we can't go to overtime with this team. We need to try and win it now or we're just going to lose. Like there's none of that. You could have went to overtime and and played for the win. You know, you had just as good a chance of winning as they did. So that was the part that left me scratching my head about that whole thing. I get the whole the first time he did it. Clearly, he had a play. Hey, yeah. this is going to be like, this is kind of a trick play. They're not going to expect this. It doesn't work. Boom, move ahead. You can't let that play in your emotions. You have to take the smart thing. That's to take that extra point and then roll. Also, on top of that, uh, just, just on top of everything that John just said, I mean, you're still you're playing for the number one seed. Like, that's, that's what's on the line. I mean, we're talking about the Cowboys and how they need to, like, they need to, you know, whatever, win games. And, and Eagles losing to the Cardinals and Giants is a long shot. Eagles losing to the Cardinals and the Giants may have been more of a long shot than the Rams beating the 49ers in week 18. So if, if you're the Lions, I still think that you had to you you also have to keep that in mind to me that it's not a great chance, but you still have to be like, all right, like like the number one seed is still on the table for us and we need to we need to operate like that. Yeah, and you you have a chance to be the number one seed, so you don't have to do things like that. You're in the conversation. Yeah. The Niners aren't yeah. coming into AT&T Stadium and doing that. They're like, no, we're just as good or better than you. We'll beat you in overtime. Like there's none of there's no oh let, let's try hey everybody get in here get in here we're gonna come up with this secret place so we can steal this game because that's the way it came off and it was like you don't have to steal anything you don't have to be secretive you can beat them straight up like I don't understand where that whole notion like I said last year's team and. KT, I'm sure you remember that end of the season game that the Lions won in Green Bay. They're pulling out all these stops, going for and forth. I yeah. totally get it. I totally get it. You were on the ascend. You were trying to get it. This whole entire year, you're in that same boat as the Cowboys, Eagles. Niners are up a little bit ahead of everybody. But then that next grouping is real close. Like, just beat them straight up. If anything, I think it sends a message to your team. is like, hey, we're not as good as these guys. Let's try and steal this at the end of the game. It's like, I'd be telling my team, hey, let's go. Hey, we just come back, came back. We just had this big drive. We forced overtime. Let's go win this game in overtime. No, I agree. Only, only, uh, here, I'll give you one. I'll give you one, one outlier situation. A lot, uh, this is this happens sometimes, and we don't end up finding out about it. But if like somehow he knew a bunch of the guys on his team were sick or something, and they were dragging, and he just didn't think they had it in them to go another quarter or something like that, maybe I would listen to that. But I never got that sense from watching yeah. that game. No, I, I uh, it's just. It's like he couldn't he couldn't back away from the moment, and that's not what you want, man. I I think you need a, that's what I want. I want more. Uh, well, I uh, Lions fans may not care. I mean, I, I assume they're they're pissed about it, but they love what he's done for that city and their basketball I, team just won twenty eight uh, just <laughs> lost twenty eight straight games. So maybe it's like it hasn't been this good for us in a long time. But geez. Yeah, but KT they're not mad at uh, they're not mad at him. They're mad at the officials. They think the officials are the ones that yeah. just ruined the game. For they're not mad at Dan Campbell now. Yeah, real quick yeah. though, like if I'm like if I'm looking at Dan Campbell and, and and as much as I agree with everything that we just talked about, to me, like like that even overshadows the fact that like him going for it on fourth and goal from the four when all you were doing was going backwards for the first three plays of that of that sequence in the goal to go situation. And I think that was like in the late in the second quarter or something and the car and the lions are down seven to three. Like I understand it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow to kick a field goal from the four yard line because you're right there, but you started that sequence on the two yard line and then went back to the five and then we're at the five and then you're at the four. Like you were not making headway into the end zone and you went for it and, and very predictably 
um, you know, didn't convert and, and come away with nothing on that drive. So for me, like that, like that end of the game situation was probably second in terms of what I look at Dan Campbell in that drive in that game for. Yeah, I mean, for lack of better comparisons, it just like I just feel like this year's Lions team doesn't need to play like that Boise State team that beat Oklahoma. Like the you know that bowl yeah, game right? that everybody still talks about, where it's like they got to pull all these like Statue of Liberty and all this stuff like that. Just go out there and line up against them. You're as good as they are. Just go out there and play them straight up. You lose in overtime, so what? You lose in overtime. But to just sit there and rely on some of those things. The other part I didn't like about knowing how their team is built going for it when you keep getting moved back, like in that situation at the end of the game, and then the one that Saad just mentioned is that when you're getting moved back like that, you're taking the run out of it. Because you're not running yeah. on fourth and four. You're not running on uh, from the seven-yard line on a two-point conversion. And if you take the run out of it, like that's a big part of what's made this Lions team successful. So when you're taking that out of it and you're just relying on a throw, so you know it's either going to Laporta or Amaran St. Brown. And even they knew that everyone knew that. That's why they were throwing it to backup tight ends and an offensive yeah. tackle. You know, like when the run's in play for them, I get the whole idea of it because you have to really honor that because they run well down in the, you know, that's that's one that's their thing. That's why I thought this game would be them running it, trying to keep Dallas's offense off the field. But I mean, they played them straight up. I just... I didn't get the the, the decision-making there at the end at all from, from their coach. Well, if things go a certain way, and that would be wins uh, by the Cow- a win by the Cowboys, uh, would lock the Cowboys in at the two, and then they would host the Lions in a potential divisional round matchup. But we're not going to jump that far ahead, of course. The crash course scenario that you have in front of you is if the Packers beat the Bears, which... The Bears sure. have been playing really good, and their Justin Fields has stepped it up a little bit, and he's making the decision for the Bears a, a little tougher. But the Packers beat the Bears, and the Cowboys beat the Commanders in Washington. Um, then we have Packers and Cowboys for the wild card round, and it doesn't get much juicier than that. Then you can go through different other scenarios if the Packers were to lose, if the Cowboys were to lose, and the Eagles were to win. The Eagles would leapfrog them once again. The Cowboys would go back to the five seed. But, you know, the Washington's not a very good team. I think that's the one thing that you, you might have coming back to you at this game is just the fact that it is on the road and that this team has been far from reliable on the road. But, man, it sure feels like a, a game that you should have in hand. I, uh, I want to talk about CeeDee Lamb for a minute. Good God. He has... Obviously, I mean, the 92-yard touchdown pass was a lot of fun. But he's just jumped up in the, you know, receiver rankings really, really quickly. And, you know, maybe there's a few things in this equation. Kirk Cousins getting hurt and Joe Burrow getting hurt. Might affect Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase's numbers and things like that. But, man, you look at pretty much any wide receiver stat you want to go find, it's – some order of CeeDee Lamb and then Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill and then CeeDee Lamb. And that is great to see. That has paid off very nicely. Especially on like, at least, you know, with Tyreek Hill, you know, a lot of people look at that offense as, you know, there's just a lot of scheme to it, a lot of moving guys. Around. It's hard to really know where he's going to be and stuff like that. Whereas like with the Cowboys, you just get a sense when you watch them sometimes where you're just kind of like, you know, kind of like what I just said before about Laporta and I'm around St. Brown. It's like, you look around, you're just like, you guys do know they're trying to throw him the ball like almost every time, right? Like that's the guy yeah. you got to take away. If you can take away 88 from the Cowboys, it's going to be tough because they don't run the ball well. 
and not, not at least not against good teams. They're not going to run the ball to scare you. So then that's going to mean that Cooks and 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 Jalen Tolbert and, and Jake Ferguson are going to beat you, you know. But that's easier said than done. No one's been able to take him away like that. And so to have the game he did uh, against Detroit, just it's not only it's like I feel like as the season goes on, he improves. Just look back to his rookie year. Like every year he's been in the league, just improvement every single season. Um, to the point where, like, I sit here being like, well, I don't, I don't know what his ceiling is. You know, I thought I did, but I don't know what his ceiling. is. His ceiling might be to be the number one wide receiver in the entire league, and he's playing like that right now. I don't know that there's a receiver that you'd rather have right now than him. Yeah, and I think what's impressive is that he's doing it as a true number one. And when I when I mean by that is, you know, like he had a he had a, when you, when you have a good year and Amari Cooper's on the other side, and you're like, all right, you got two number ones, and like, you know, um, but but I mean. Brandon Cooks, like I, I have all the respect in the world for him, and I think he's a great number two receiver to have on your team. But it, no one's confusing Brandon Cooks as the number one option at this point in his career on a team right now. So CD Lamb is the true number one receiver, and for him to do everything, and and I think to me, really the more impressive thing is exactly what John just said. It's about that trajectory. Like he keeps getting better and better and better, and and so at this point, you really don't know you know, how good he can be, but whatever he's doing right now and like nothing he's doing is stuff that is that, that looks like it's a fad or something like that. Like, like he's getting open, he's running routes. Like these things don't go away um, until like, you know, later in your career or something like that. So there's no reason that he doesn't just keep getting better. I think I have a couple of landmark moments for CD that jump out to me in, in his trajectory. Did you just say First landmark I, moments? Yeah, maybe, maybe there are landmark okay, moments. Sorry, I didn't say that, but I should. <laughs> Thank you, John. It's a landmark moment. Uh, last year, the drops, week two, I think, Monday Night Football. Bad first half uh, in New York against the Giants, New Jersey. A um, couple drops, one really big drop. And a lot of just kind of, uh, you know, waiting on him to really snap out and uh, break out of it and really take the offense, you know, a certain place. Now, even with Dak Hurt. And that second half, he just took over that game and the Cowboys won. And then you saw him get better and better and better as the year went on last year. This year, you know, we have the game and geez, is it week five? Is the game before the bye week, I think. So am I wrong? Was yeah, it was right San after San Francisco. Game? Yeah, it was after San Francisco. Or was it the Chargers game? I don't know what the point is yeah. that you're trying to make. So well, the point is, CD Lamb visibly on the on the, uh, the San Francisco game. He was that San Francisco, San Francisco and the following game against the Chargers, he obviously played better. But it was the buy that followed that, and then that's when he took off. Clearly, during that buy is when they changed some things up and they made it a conscious effort that we're going to 88 more. And, and we, basically, as much as we want this to be a balanced run pass attack. We're gonna live and die feeding eighty-eight. That at 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 if they if they go make a deep run, we'll look back at that that bye week big time because things change during that bye. Yeah, and they talked about yeah, I mean, the across the hall meetings they did, and and you know all the stuff and 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 how that all that stuff kind of played a role in kind of identifying where he needs to be more involved in everything. What started it was him with his helmet off on the sideline, away from the team, basically going, "All right." If you guys want the offense to suck, don't throw me the ball that often. You know, like, do what you want. I'll be over here. And it's like, you know what? Uh, I love it. And in the, the TV broadcasts, they're always very quick to be like, he was not a diva, a diva about this at all. He 
went to McCarthy and they had the one on one and you know determined they need to get him the ball and I'm like, hey. yeah, <laughs> hey, what he did though, I I respect it and it's a lesson. If you want to throw a bitch fit in life, you can get some of the things oh, you want. I I believe that stuff and you should believe that just like all the stuff uh, that's come out in the last probably month about. Jerry and Jimmy both saying how like we never had a bad day, we never had a disagreement. And you're just like, ha. you we you were like, well, we're gonna believe this. Okay, all right, we're believing okay. this. Yep, great uh, guy. There's That's a line great. in uh, everyone's there's a line in Jimmy's speech where he said Jerry and I work shoulder to shoulder, yeah. and I was like, yeah, okay. So that was the thing. If if you say this line, yeah, Jimmy uh, Jerry will let you in. Right. It is interesting. This happens, you know. I don't know the year of the Netflix thing. Uh, oh, that's like, a big factor in it. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, for me, that's all that's going factor. on, and Jimmy's—I'm uh, sorry—and Jerry's got the mic and he's kind of you know shaking a little bit, and he says the word "inspired" seven times. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. can see everyone's kind of goofing off, talking to each other, and then you see <laughs> Troy right there, and Troy is just staring at Jerry, and Troy's either tired or knowing that he's got a second half to go do, but you can almost see the look on Troy's face is like. I see right through this, man. <laughs> like, because, you know, Troy's been the most vocal about getting Jimmy in. That was one, as we all uh, knew and predicted, when it was time for How About Them Cowboys, that crowd went nuts. But that was cool that it happened on a Saturday night, too, where they could not throw it to nine pundits around a desk, one of the Ryan brothers, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, one, uh, one of the Gronkowskis. You know, yeah, it was just like, Let's just show us the ceremony. I thought that was really cool that we got to see the whole thing on TV like that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. You didn't because you were there. But Yeah, no, I mean, it lived up to it. Uh, and that's hard to do a lot of times when you think something's going to be really good. It ends up being, you know, like I said, I thought that Lions-Cowboys game was going to be this. I thought it would be a little bit more high scoring. And the way the game went is nothing like you expected. And that's so much how it is with sports. But when it comes to that that halftime show, I really did think that it was going to be really impressive and that it was going to be a good speech and he'd get the crowd riled up. And he certainly did. And and they fit it into a tight time slot, but it also just shows you like the popularity of the Cowboys to even carry that thing. I mean, I, I talked about it with Saad and some other people before the game. How many other people are they doing that for? Maybe Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know, just it's not many that they're going to – totally not kicked to a halftime show and they're just going to air that entire uh, presentation. So I thought that was cool too. I think I've seen it with Favre one time. Yeah, I could see Favre Years sure. ago. But sure. like that was just one that comes to my mind. Yeah, you're not, not getting a lot of that. So that was cool. And, you know, gets the crowd going. Come out, kind of like we predicted it might be kind of a tight first half. And they thought the Cowboys were going to pull away. They just couldn't get the offense going. And, you know, I don't know. The, the Cowboys team has been different since that Bills game, uh, clearly. And that's a while back, but you know, the Miami game, the offense had issues and you know, Detroit, Miami, Buffalo, all really good teams. So maybe look at it that way. I, I, the offense is not peaking like it was, you know, last time And a game like Washington or, you know, that Seattle game, I think remember, but a game like Washington, take you back to Thanksgiving day. It's like, okay, now we got an opportunity to really go put 30 points up, feel like you're at, you know, in the flow and kind of use this as not only a game you need to win, but a momentum spring for the playoffs. So that's what I'm kind of looking for. I'm going to go ahead and do my pick. Before real we quick, real quick, before we go to picks, oh, I yeah. just want to add this in here real quick. So where do you see it improving? Like where could it potentially improve? Because for me on the offense, I don't see it happening in the run game. Now, aside from, aside from, 
the Jets let Dalvin Cook go. If they somehow ended up getting Dalvin Cook, obviously I'm not an idiot. I, I could see how that could spark your run game. But I'm saying with what's out there, what they have on the current roster, the one I go to is Cooks. Because I do see their involvement with Brandon Cooks is kind of steadily, you know, increased. Veteran guy, played in big games. That's the one area I look at. But what about for you guys? I think I think for me, to be honest, I'm not I'm not as down on the offense. Um, I, I think as I even expected myself to be. Um, they were averaging 40 a game at home, you know, uh, before the Detroit game. Like, and and when I look at the last two weeks, I look at the way that CD has kind of been involved and the way that he's kind of, like when he is involved, how it looks. And that Miami game, I really. You know, it, 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 maybe I, I sound like a op, like an overly optimistic person, but when I look at that last drive, that 17-play drive, whatever it was, and I look at, okay, you have all the signs are all there. You just really have to string it all together. Like, don't let CD fade out of your offense for two quarters at a time. Um, be a little bit more, you know, methodical in, in the way that you're calling the plays and don't shoot yourself in the foot by, you know, throwing it deep on second and 14 when you shouldn't, like... I, I think I see a lot of the factors there, and I think like these couple, these few things are almost more encouraging to me than you dropping forty on New England or something like that. Because it's like, yeah, this is quality opponents. Like th- this is a better twenty points than whatever you do against the Patriots or the Commanders or you know things like that. So I'm not as down on it, but um, but I think you know I, I don't see a whole lot of things. Uh, I'll let John share his, his little Brennan Cook stat that he dug up, but like I, I think the Cooks, the Cooks thing is a good, good one, and uh, and I think uh, Lyle Collins is here to save us, save save the offensive line. So I think those two things are all going to be um, part of the solution. Wait, oh, so you're being serious about the Lyle thing? You do no, think that that's going to happen? Okay, well, I just—I mean, we have to be clear about this because I don't know if anybody picked up on your sarcasm. Yeah, you know, no, I, no, I was being sarcastic because I, I don't. <laughs> Oh, okay. Because I think some people look back to like that, so that's why we have to be clear about this. That I mean, I, I don't think, think he's gonna. More... I don't think he hurts. But like, I, I don't think he's a savior. No, I, no, no, it doesn't hurt. But I'm just saying, like, nobody should be surprised if he never sees the field. Yes, exactly. He hasn't yeah. played at all this year. <laughs> we don't know what kind of shape he's in. This is very much closer to Martavius Bryant than this is like, uh, 100%. you know, it's getting somebody that's getting like a Delvin Cook or somebody's gonna make an in, in, instant impact. Okay, just yeah. want to be clear on this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I want to get this Brandon Cook stat for me in a second, but the, I was going to take it to the offensive line for a minute. Does this say anything about how they feel about their guys? I mean, the the, the two things you look at right now, I was the Tyler Smith torn. That's, this has always been tough for me, guys. Just bear with me, audience. I'm sorry. Torn plantar fascia. fasciitis. I would say it's it's a plantar fascia is what's torn though. Fascia. Yeah. Plantar fascia. Yeah. But spelled that's what's plantar. Torn. I don't like that one. Ouch. It's the Tony Pollard injury from a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, ouch. Probably, do you think he plays this week? Uh, I think it's probably 50-50. But, it, I mean, I don't think it's going to keep him out of, like, playoff games or anything like that. It yeah. depends on, like, where he is this week. Like, for it to completely tear, like, that is better than it just being partially. Um, he'll probably have to get surgery or, get you know, have to get something done in the offseason. But he will be able to play through this. So, I think that, yeah, the Lyle Collins thing is probably a little bit of insurance there. Probably didn't love the last time I saw a dog out there. Uh, but he's Terrence your next Steel? guy up. And then, what's that? Well, the Terrence Steele. I mean, that is your 
I would Official. be stunned if they were bringing in Lyle Collins because he was going to be your your right tackle. Well, no, no, I'm not saying he wouldn't replace him, but like, oh. does it say that they're worried about him? Yeah, I mean, I could see that too, but I'm talking about just having bodies that you can put out there if yeah. there are other injuries. I mean, look at how Tyler Smith goes down and boom, you need somebody up, you know? And, and I do think they feel good about TJ Bass too, but um, yeah, I don't think that, let's put it this way, I don't think they're developing the offensive linemen and injuries of may, maybe a factor, but I don't think they're developing them like they did in Green Bay when McCarthy was there, where all of a sudden you're just like, oh yeah, we got some, you know, we got some guys coming yeah. up here. We got in the fourth, fifth round that these are future starters here. I don't know that they feel that way, you know. So gotcha. Um, but I just the Lyle Collins thing. I mean, it. I get it why you're doing it, and maybe he gets in good shape, and maybe he can help you in, in a playoff situation or something. But if you don't even see him on the field, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's a good expectation. It's, you know, uh, especially with you look at Lyle's history playing guard and tackle here. He's a tackle now at this point. Injuries, all that stuff just didn't really work out in Cincinnati very well. And uh, Kelly's bringing him in. Uh, it's just practice squad for now, so it's not like it's a you know a big deal. That that the Tyler Smith injury though is a little concerning to me because he's been really good, you know. And this is another reason I said earlier why Dan Campbell. I thought you know if you just go ahead and kick the extra point there, and I'm usually as aggressive as they come. Kind of feel like you'd get might might have a chance of getting a stop. Now he might have had no idea or no way of knowing if Tyler Smith was going to play in that uh, OT. It was a weird injury because he didn't really do anything at the first part of that play too. Like he, if you watch, he's not really blocking anyone in the beginning until the end, and then you see the weird thing happen with his foot. So yeah, the Tyler Smith injury sucks. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, look across the league. You know, I mean, everyone's getting. No one's got like a perfect team that's just healthy yeah. right now i mean this is what happens this time of year you know you got mccaffrey having uh you know his issues that doesn't sound like he's gonna play in their final game probably sit him for a couple of weeks um bradley chubb with the knee injury honestly watch that replay of that drop yeah. tackle that aiden hutchinson had on dak i mean that thing looked like that could be nasty um yeah. i i think the cowboys are relatively i think they're about as healthy as you could hope for this time of year what do you what what don't you have you don't have Layton. Uh, uh, you don't have trayvon diggs you don't have demarvion overshone i mean look at their depth chart right now and the starters on both sides of the ball are pretty much if you told anybody yeah. you'd have that in training camp you'd be like yep where do i sign up for that no absolutely let me uh before i know thing i actually two things i had on my notes because uh offensive concerns okay you scored enough to win that game i can't get over it and i'm uh, i'm not uh yeah, okay, yeah. We're analyzing here. Poke a hole in something. If Dak doesn't find a way to shimmy out of the, <laughs> the you know, Safety. the destination point of Derek Barnes, then there is no 92-yard touchdown. And I don't know what happens to that game, you know? I mean, that was – I mean, it's funny on the TV broadcast, Troy was kind of kind of killing Derek Barnes like – I don't know what that was right there. I don't know how you missed this. It was right there. And, you know, Dak just had a little subtle little hip move right there a little bit, but it was really close to not getting off. The know? only thing I could factor in that I could give him a little bit of an excuse for is just the way that these hits are being officiated on quarterbacks because that is like the easiest, cleanest, like tee-off type, safety type play that there is that I don't know how you play football professionally in any league much less the NFL, and you don't make that tackle. That That is – that was incredible. That I, I would never believe that that could happen. It's one the one where he got out of the grasp against uh, 
I think it was Seattle. That's a little bit different because you're you're trying to bring him down. He's a strong, obviously, he's a bigger dude for a quarterback. But like that, you just have an open shot to just tackle and bring him down for a safety. That's a nine-point swing right there. He's coming off of throwing an interception of series before that. I mean, it could have been really bad for the Cowboys there. But that also speaks to they probably do. Maybe that does happen, and they probably do lose that game if it's on the road. But there's something about the way this team has played at home that it just you you feel like they're going to find a way to pull it out and win where you don't feel like that at all on the road. And so that's why it's also so important that they win this game on Sunday and get that home field, uh, at least through the first two rounds. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I also want to give Donovan Wilson a shout out because that interception was huge. And it's, it's, it's kind of wild on the broadcast copy is it's going fast. It just looks like a bad Jared Goff throw. And maybe it was a bad Jared Goff right. throw, but when you really slow it down, you see that Donovan Wilson made a break on the ball that, you know, I golf had him, had his guy there for a minute. He was not expecting Donovan Wilson to break on that ball as quick as he did. And, Donovan Wilson, just kind of a steady guy on this team for multiple years now. A guy whose red flags were maybe not that great in coverage. And, uh, you know, a run stopper, but wasn't a highly thought of prospect years ago in the draft. Will McClay, you know, liked him at uh, A&M. And, man, just when you need someone to come up and make a play, it seems like it's someone new in every win. It's There is that play from someone, whether it's a – Maybe a Dante Fowler sack here or Malik Hooker does something here, you know, that's kind of helped spread it out from just Deron Bland getting all the interceptions or when Trayvon Diggs was here, him getting all the interceptions or just Micah or, you know, or Demarcus Lawrence doing what Demarcus Lawrence does. So it's kind of uh, just cool as another moment like that. I think we always like gloss over those moments. So, but I, and I also I agree with you, but I also feel like, yeah, and those have continued to happen at home. But there weren't many oh. of those at Arizona. No, there you're weren't right. probably any of those at San Francisco, and there probably weren't any of those at Buffalo. But at home, yeah. there have been plenty of times when, when someone stepped up, whether it's a blowout, close game, whatever. Well, you guys aren't worried about this game Sunday, are you? No. Um, if you think they're going to cover 13 and a half, yeah, I would be a little nervous about that. I Hey, you look at the, the history, the recent history of these two teams playing against each other. I mean, it... It does speak to this is probably going to be a closer game than most think. I mean, look at last year. Last year they go and they win twenty five to ten in Dallas, but then they lose twenty six to six in in Washington. The year before that they win fifty six to fourteen in Dallas, but only win by a touchdown uh, in Washington. And then the, the year previous to that, 
Um, they lost both games in 2020 uh, to Washington. I mean, they just they don't play as well at Washington as they should. When you look at the way that this team has been constructed and built, it's clearly the better team over the last five, six, seven, eight years. But when they go to Washington, they generally don't go in there and just take care of business and blow them out like so many would probably expect them to do this Sunday. And so because of that, I just think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. I think I think it's going to be a good game even going into the fourth. I do not think that they're going to blow out Washington. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. I I have it 24-13. And, you know, it's, a lot of good, it's good to have a Week 18 game that, uh, you know, means something, I think. Uh, it's kind of been bad the last few years. It's been feels like the Week 18 game doesn't mean anything. You know where you're at. Know who you have in the playoffs. Can – Kind of make things a little sleepy, you know. You go get this win, be the two seed, put off any potential 49ers clash until the potential championship game. So I have Cowboys twenty four, Commanders thirteen. Cowboys twenty four, Commanders thirteen. I guess I could have just thrown in my uh, went with my thing of thinking it's gonna be close, so I'll just go. I, I got the Cowboys twenty seven twenty. Okay, yeah, so. and I got I got Cowboys I got Cowboys twenty seven, um, Commander seventeen, and yeah, because I think the line is like thirteen, and and I looked at this before, um, the last time the Cowboys beat the Commanders in Washington, Commanders football team Redskins whatever, um, was twenty seventeen, and the time before that was that big twenty fourteen game in December, um, so it's like twice in the last ten years that they've beat them by more than more than like 13 by, by like 13 points. So um, I, I don't think that's going to happen this time again, but uh, 27, 17 Cowboys. Okay. Kent. 24, 14 Cowboys. All right. Clean sweep. Should be good. Get that Brandon cook stat there for us, John. I want to oh, yeah, about just- that. Yeah, no, it just it's kind of wild that, and it's it's a real basic stat, but it just it kind of speaks to a, a larger uh, impact that he's had on, uh, since he's been here, and it's just that. So basically, if you can get him twenty yards, the Cowboys haven't lost. Wow, they're ten and zero when he catches when he has at least twenty receiving yards. Ten and zero, and then when he has less than twenty, they're zero and five. <laughs> Have not won a single game. That to me is stunning. Like again, like I'm not sitting here saying like, yeah, you know, first play, get him a 20 yard uh, completion, and this game's over. Like I'm not an idiot, but I'm saying it does speak to when Cooks gets involved. It's usually a pretty good day. And 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 even in that, with that being said, um, the Miami game, he had the two for 14, but he had that big touchdown late to where you know if the defense holds up, you know he he's a big reason why they were able to pull that game out. And I just see him like kind of ascending. He can't have games where he only has 14 yards, you know. Like, I get it, man. You got to feed CD, let CD get 100, 150 if he can. But Cooks has to be involved, man. He just, again, you're going to these playoff games. These are games where he's been in these situations. He's, he's your veteran guy that you can count on. Like, I think we, I think we should, and I think we will see more from Brandon Cooks so that in these next. Kind of games. one of our complaints last year. You lose to San Francisco, and you're like, well, who's the, who else can help the offense here? We wanted more out of Gallup, and you know he got hurt and all that. And you're sitting here, kind of just going, "Okay, well, we have Ceedee Lamb, and then Tony Pollard gets hurt in that game. What else do we have?" He's been great. And then what? And then when they play San Francisco the first time, you know, Cooks targeted four times, only had one catch for seven yards. It's that's been his lowest receiving Mm game, uh, tied with at Philadelphia. So now keep in mind that's the other part of all of this is that 
So out of those five games that they've lost with him getting, you know, less than 20 yards receiving, all of them are on the road, obviously, because they haven't <laughs> the lost five, at home. The five road so, games. Get him right. the ball then, right? Very simple. Uh, yeah, and I'm not saying that you need to get him, you know, get, try and get him a 100-yard game, yeah. but I, I just think instead of the yardage, I would just focus on more so of, I don't think you should be coming out of any of these games where he has less than four or five catches. I don't think it's that difficult to get him involved. Well, no, and, and he's also like a proven uh, track record type of guy. Like, I think it's really interesting, some of these teams and how they operate offensively, like the Rams. Cup or Nakua could beat you at any moment. Like you were mentioning with the Lions, that is that right. thing the Lions are lacking. And I think they're developing that with Jamison Williams a little bit. Jamison Williams, yeah, that's the hope. Yeah, Trying to get that going, but you do know, you know, that it's St. Brown right then. Uh, just those teams that have that extra yep. thing. You say the 49ers, clearly Kittle, McCaffrey, we all know that. Debo and Ayuk, I mean, there's guys on the outside who can beat you in a couple different ways. Just makes it so hard on the defense. Eagles have had. And I also bad. like when you throw, it, but if you throw a ball that's maybe not the greatest of all in Brandon Cooks' vicinity, he usually does a pretty good, pretty good job of breaking it up too. If he doesn't catch yeah. it, like you know, there's been I think there was one in the Lions game where it was kind of down the middle of the field. You're like, Ugh, and he, he does a good job of getting back. Probably should have been an OPI uh, on that one. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and a triple coverage down the middle of the field, but yeah, yeah. it's all right. Yeah, he'll fight for you. That's all right. Well, who who do you guys? How uh, do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about his celebration? I'm a big fan of it. I know he's been doing it for a while, but I, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. Very simple. For me, love it's it. the it's the facial expression that he get. He yeah, like, the yell. Suddenly, yeah, the yell. He gets so into it. Yeah, I love it. That is, I, I'm a big fan. He's great. I, I keep going back to just the fact that he was putting up pretty good numbers in Houston with Davis Mills. Like, is it worthy of getting the ball a lot? It just has never stuck with the team for whatever reason. He's been seen as a tradable commodity. He's like a great dude but for whatever reason. That's it. That's the thing. Like, Sad, I don't know if you how you feel about it, but like for me, I've seen nothing this year on the field, locker room, talking to people. That makes any sense of why he's been traded as much as he has. He just seems like he's great all the way around. Yeah, I think part of it has to do with just the fact that he's always he's always uh, he he kind of hits that sweet spot of he's not so indispensable like C.D. Lamb, but he doesn't have like no value like Michael Gallup. And you look at it, the Saints traded him uh, for a first round pick. The Patriots traded him um, for I believe a first round pick to the Rams. Trey Cooks in a fourth round pick for yeah for a first round pick so he's been traded twice for a first round pick um, and then the to the Texans he was for a second round pick so really this was the first time he got traded for uh, uh, you know throwaway currency with the fifth round pick he's he's been traded for like some real value so it's not like yeah. teams are just trying to get rid of him so I just feel like if Michael Gallup played as well as Brandon Cooks or let's say he was right now. Michael Gallup would play his entire career in Dallas. Whereas I look at Michael Gallup right now and you're just like, yeah. I, you know, I don't know what his future holds right now. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. Is um if you had to uh go or what do you think the best matchup would be for this team? And I'm jumping too far ahead here, but let's assume you get the win. Probably Packers, I think. Just I know that there's the boogeyman of it being the Packers, yeah. but I don't I don't think you want to play Stafford in that Rams team. That, that was literally my answer was not the Rams. Like, 
pick a team, just not the Rams. Well, let's go. The Cowboys win the two. The Rams, let's say they get locked in at the six there. Then you're looking at, the, let's say the Packers lose the Bears, which I do think is possible. I really do. I mean, the way sure. Justin Fields, they're, they're, they're kind of vibing right now. Don't you ever get to feel like I feel like you and I can talk about this on a little bit different level, just from the teams that we've we've followed. Like, don't you get the feeling with Fields though? Like, soon as you start buying in, something happens where you're like, eh, maybe they will take a quarterback at one. I don't know. I just maybe it's I, just me, but I just when I follow the Bears from a little bit from afar, but just because they're in the NFC North, there's always something about the way he plays where I'll be like, man, he's really coming out. And then there's like a game where you're just like, ugh, yeah, I don't know. if how much he's going to win from the pocket, you know, like I've tricked myself decade, you know? into a lot of different opinions on him. Yeah. One of them being, he's clearly their guy. If they don't have the one pick, I am, I'm completely like, yeah, he's going to be their guy. That's fine. But I'm saying that what he's shown you so far and you kind of cut, ah, man, you could get the best quarterback in this draft. They're going like, to be like, I don't know. One and pick eight, maybe pick nine. Like that's what they have. They have one. Yeah. It's like, is it? It's weird if a wide receiver goes one, but if they what with like a Marvin, I don't think they would. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. How does he fix things very quickly for Justin Fields? Sure, you know, there's that's a, lot. a good point. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know, man. And the, so what were you gonna say though about the Packers? Though, well, so, so, they it, lose it, them. There's interesting for them real quick because Caleb Williams, you know, kind of runs a lot, so he could get that comparisons. You go to Drake May, who was a lot of people's QB two in the draft. And the North Carolina tie, and it just has a Trubisky smell to it, even though Drake oh, yeah. is a way better oh, quarterback. Yeah. So uh, the Packers are playing well um, offensively. Their defense is a is a dumpster fire. Um, but you would be walking into that if they beat the Bears. You're walking into that team that's kind of on that playing well at the right time of the year. And we'll see if they get Christian Watson back. So who would you get? It's the NFL playoffs. Who are you going to get that's playing bad? Like a Seattle? The Eagles? Yeah, the <laughs> Seattle could could get in there. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. You guys, you cannot be serious that you would rather play the Eagles than the Rams, though. No, I mean, no, no. the Eagles and the Packers. No, no, no you no. said, you, no, your question was who's playing who's playing bad entering the playoffs. The Eagles are. Yeah, to, like, to the point where you'd want to welcome them as the, as your opponent is what I mean. Like, we're like, oh, no, no, bring them in here. No, like, yeah, to me, to me, like, I, like I've always said in the past, for me, it's a very quarterback-driven decision. And for me, like, I'll play Jordan yeah. Love over Jalen Hurts, over whoever. So um, that's <laughs> how good Geno Smith looked. Yeah, so. So for me, it's a very quarterback-driven decision. Like for me, that's why it's the Packers. I'm just and right now, that quarterback is playing better than Geno Smith is. Then, sure. boy, uh, Baker Mayfield was playing better than uh, many quarterbacks in the league, and then they they had a stinker, and he got hurt. But you know, we'll see. I mean, I'm assuming they will beat the Panthers, and they would be the four seed, Tampa Bay. And there's a there's a path for the Saints to be the seven seed. That okay. Well, then now now I'm listening. Now that's where you kind of go. Maybe you would like <laughs> no. that, and that's where you maybe want the Bears right. to beat the Packers. No, no, Cowboys should not at all be scared of the Packers. The Packers, for a majority of the year, have been a bad football team, but that's a team who went into Detroit, smoked them. I know we think a little True. differently of the Chiefs, but they went and beat the Chiefs. Um, they've Found something offensively, and it's got a lot to do with the quarterback and the offensive line, and the quarterback doesn't get hit very much. That makes me just kind of go, and I think the Packers are a team that's better playing indoors too. And it's just that whole bugaboo there of, I don't know. It's 
It's not Aaron Rodgers. Dude, his stats are identical to Aaron Rodgers in his first year with Green Bay. It's really insane. And they're playing good. And I don't know if, if they go smoke the Bears, I don't know that I'd be thrilled about having them. Um, I, Seattle, that game was close. You know, you look look back at it, and a, a good adjustment to kind of let Stephon Gilmore kind of handle DK Metcalf a little bit in that game. But that's that's a team I feel like I kind of want. Uh, and that feels like a game that you, you would win. And then, you know, if things play out the way we think they'll play out, then we get Detroit and Dallas. In a rematch, how good would that be? I mean, that is, that's nice. And that's a much more fun path than on the road to Tampa Bay and then on the road to San Francisco. And then. So the worst road team record wise out of all of them that we mentioned would be Seattle. They're three and five on the road this year. Everyone else is at least 500. I think that's the team I would want. Um, so yeah. that's just me. That's me. And I, you shouldn't be scared of the Packers, but. You give me that choice. I think I would take Seattle right now, just because of the way those two teams look. I mean, Seattle looked really bad against Pittsburgh. I'm fine with Seattle or Green Bay. That's fine. I'm just saying the the Rams thing. I wouldn't want to see that. I don't yeah. think that that would be the best. Which is which is funny because because they beat the brakes out of the Rams at AT and T Stadium. But it's the prime example of one, it's Matthew Stafford, and two, they 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 look so much better since that time that I just would not want to see them. And then. You know, if it did, if it if it did end up being a Detroit rematch in the in the in the second round or something, that would be it'd be really funny because two of the most two of the recent games that come to mind is one in which a flag was picked up late in favor of the Cowboys, and then a flag was thrown late in favor of the Cowboys. So uh, yeah. that would be that would be very interesting. Well, also one like. And that's like maybe why we shouldn't overlook this game against the Commanders. I mean, this Rams team that we're just talking about, like it'd be great if you didn't have to worry about them. I mean, they're one New York Giants kicker away from losing that game on Sunday. I mean, yeah, the Giants had to run freaking Mason Crosby out there because all their kickers keep getting hurt, and they couldn't get the ball a little bit closer to Tyrod Taylor game. Get the ball a little bit closer. Maybe they drill a 47-yard field goal rather than a 54-yarder, and then the, the the Rams aren't even in that space. And at that point, then maybe the Packers are the sixth seed, and we're not really talking about them. You're talking about someone else. I mean, there's a lot of different things here in play. The team you would want, but they've only got a 3% chance of getting there, is Minnesota. That's who you want right now. But they're uh, obviously – they don't have a real good chance to get in. So here we go. Wow. All right. John gets to go take on the luxurious FedEx field uh, <laughs> press box on Sunday. One I'm of excited. The, one of the best trips I'm excited. The it's my season. first time. I've heard, I've heard so many stories about it. I'm excited to finally test it out in the flesh. Oh, this is good, man. John will give you a big tour of the whole facility. Uh, yeah. You know, this will be great. Uh, special place. <laughs> special place. Maybe you guys will meet Josh Harris. Every man's dream. <laughs> Cowboys drink thrown on us. <laughs> yeah, okay, Panthers. Uh Cowboys Commanders 325 on Sunday. We will be back with you next week to break it all down and then get you ready for the playoffs. We will know the opponent, we'll know the time, we'll know all the good things, and we'll be with you then. Make sure that you're fo- uh, following uh Father John Mashoda at John Mashoda on Twitter or X. Make sure you're following Assad as well. 
and have Kent Garrison holding it down as always. Thank you, Mr. Kent Flicks. We appreciate it. Uh, I'm Kevin. We'll be back next week with another edition of About the Cowboys. <laughs>